Coming up on Verse Course Verse, the characters are developed, the plot is set, the love triangles are ripe for parody. Season three of Verse Course Verse, everybody. Season three. Welcome to episode 107 and uh, 107 and a half, 108, whatever you want to call it, a verse, chorus, verse. I am DL. With me is Sven, beer cooler, Knudsen. Sven, you got a shiny bright light pointing right at our faces. How you doing? I'm doing good. It's backlighting. I like it. (laughs) Also with us, evil Van Halen shirt, Jimmy. He is not wearing a Van Halen shirt. Oh, unearth. Close enough. Hey. I just Fair stood enough. up so you guys could see my, I'm, I'm my familiar with private that. parts, but um, I was oh. like, the lower half of evil, your body. Evil considers unearthed shirts his private parts. <laughs> evil. <laughs> How are you doing there, my man? Good. I feel like you're just making numbers up for the episode numbers now because it's so like, many numbers. What, yeah, I don't remember. 107, five, yeah. six, three. Also with us, Rachel. Says she doesn't like hard seltzers, then <laughs> drinks hard seltzer every episode. Polio, Rachel, how you Good. doing? You're going to be surprised at what I have to drink tonight. That's all I have to say. Her <laughs> fridge is finally emptied of all the Trulies. <laughs> I don't think so. We're here. Season three. Doesn't it feel different? Everybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> different how? Everybody... It's a new year. Well, you can see my bed in the background. Yeah, tonight. that room You're looks traveling. like it's like That's 100 yards long. That bed looks so yeah. far away. This is a very big room. It's unnecessary. You could have an orgy so. in there. Ooh. Oh, you could have a you could have a couple. <laughs> Would they call they call this the eyes wide mm. shut? I, I brought I was sweet. wearing a mask earlier. So, as you can see, not much has changed <laughs> in season 3. <laughs> <laughs> We're still us. The only thing that we've really done differently is we've really picked up on the YouTube. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves doing. Yo, YouTube, thank you right, to like Google? the one person that hung out with me on YouTube for like the first thirty seconds. Thanks. Oh, it was you, and you couldn't even make it past the thirty-second mark. I was traveling, man. I was trying to check in the <laughs> hotels and get ready. But yeah, we're doing YouTubes. We've got the Rolling Stone videos up uh, once a week, and then we are each doing our own videos we talked about that in the off season whatever you want to call that we'll give it a year we have no idea what the hell the numbers are telling us right now keyword is sunglasses right evil yeah i'm telling you facial recognition <laughs> we need drinking rules help okay here's the thing uh-uh. i don't know what to do about drinking rules i have some ideas i think uh we stick with evil obviously we're just fine on evil doing van halen <laughs> that is that's tried and true he's gonna say I'm winning. It, he's winning yeah he's gonna win that forever here i have a question for you three how much do you trust me mm. <laughs> <laughs> Ironically, Dude, we like went with- to the Idaho woods into a cabin with you, and we all <laughs> yes. survived. That's so true. I, f- I feel yes. like we should have a fairly high level. I think from like illness to death, I trust you a lot. But up until that point, wait, what? <laughs> Is that- <laughs> I, I just wanted to fireball go. flashbacks. <laughs> I wanted to see how that one ended. I just feel like you don't care about us. True. Until we're like dying. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Is kind of what I'm saying. <laughs> if that. That's not so- true. This is my thing is I'm trying to figure out a drinking game that pertains more to the beginning of the episodes than the end. 
Because how much fun is it to be like at the end of the episode, oh, okay, we did it. Now we owe five drinks. That's not that fun for the listeners. That's Mm. definitely not that fun for us. That's a good point. So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to incorporate a drinking game that has to do with my editing of the previous episode. Mm. I'm thinking of doing some sort of verse course first bingo oh i'm not going to tell you what your common things are that you say or do because i don't want to spoil it i don't want you to, you know like with rachel she never said taylor swift last year because she's a wussy <laughs> but if i don't tell you what those key words are that i'm going to be our youtube i'm going to have my own algorithm You're- with keywords that you are not allowed to know about <laughs> what about your keyword i will have them too i can't stop myself from saying shit i really can't you'll see when i owe specific amounts of drinks i'm seeing about a 40 60 on the trust sure here. i've got a definite no from evil but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's from Rachel. Like, and I think Sven's trying to. It doesn't matter out for me. I've already taken like so us. many drinks just during our intro. So <laughs> Sven just like to drink. Whatever. Anyway, what True. I'm saying, the whole yeah. point of this, we need help from listeners. Give us drinking games. Oh no! Tell us what we should. That's tell a us terrible idea. <laughs> I trust <laughs> them less what than have you. you. Done. I always wanted my stomach to get pumped. So. <laughs> so yeah, everybody help us. What should our drinking games be? I'm going to try the best I can at the beginning of episodes to tell people to drink. We'll see how it goes. And then evil, you still have the Van Halen rule. Do I? St- that's pretty I'll, much Okay, it. I'll take that as long as I still get to do the waterfall at the end of the year at the finale. That's fair. I mean, you forgot about it the entire time yeah. last time. Well, I won't this time. There we go. Okay. But I probably will, actually. Son of a bitch. What are we going to talk about in season three? Well, we're going to do a lot of the same stuff that we've already done. Carpentry? We're going to talk about carpentry. Hmm. Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Wait, he was a carpenter? Yes. Yeah. Sure was. Jesus, a.k.a. Kanye. We are going he to talk. He got married. Kanye no, got he did married. not. Hold on. Did he really? Con- yes, oh. he got married. Everybody, please hold. <laughs> They got married. How did I not know that? Bianca. Well, good for her. Congratulations. (laughs) (laughs) No. Oh, my gosh. I feel so out of it. Oh, my God. Why does she have to sound like a bitch? (laughs) Like, why couldn't they make that a pleasant voice? You can't say that after I, I stop recording. First time. <laughs> that was the, that was the soundbite. Oh, now we can finally be funny. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We are going to talk this year about oldies rock. We have some really really badass interviews coming up. One of which coming very soon. We are going to talk about maybe some more difficult things. What are we doing tonight, everybody? Mm. What are we doing? Episode one. What are we doing here? You guys know, right? No, it's episode 107. (laughs) Wish I knew. I think I've decided to name these episodes Break It Down, because that's what we're going to do. We all picked one song to, you guessed it, Break Down. Everybody, any guesses as to why I chose this? I don't know. I'm really confused, though. I thought this was like we were taking turns performing the song, and then the other three were going to judge us, Yeah. and then it was going to be like the voice, but... That does sound like something that you would make up in your own head, but that's not... (laughs) (sighs) That's not what we're doing. You can do that if you... For your section, you can do that if you want. Tell us why you chose this. Tell us. I just wanted a way for us to talk about songs. We don't talk about specific songs enough, and there are certain songs like... Yeah. I'll tell you, there are two songs on this list that people have chosen. One of them is going to be very easy to riff on for at least a half an hour. And one of them, I was so perplexed on how to even tackle that song. 
I had a lot of fun just concentrating on one song and trying to figure it out. Sven, did you? Yeah. I listened to that song by Lindsey Buckingham's girlfriend <laughs> so many times. <laughs> I also did listen to the song I picked. Did you? I did. Hopefully. Back when I watched the documentary. I like There's it. There's a documentary? We're, we're rolling with it. I think I had the most fun diving into Evil's pick. Mm. So I'm stoked for when we get there. But I think you put that like way down the list. So I might not have a memory by the time we talk about <laughs> it. It will be at the end That's of true. the second episode of it. Uh, Evil, did you have fun researching just four songs? Short answer, yes. I don't know. I felt more pressure maybe to dissect them or think about the, because totally. it's one song. Well, you know, four songs. I felt like I was overthinking things a lot. I know exactly what you mean. I felt the same way. I just created a playlist and just listened to the playlist. Those four <laughs> the songs. Four song playlist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I actually like that. Rachel. Yeah. I'm guessing you know the real reason I picked this episode to do. Um, It's Stop generally texting. to shit. Shit on our dreams. I'm actually drawing pictures. (laughs) (laughs) It's worse. (laughs) Phone's over here. (laughs) Um, Shit on our dreams, is that not... you have a set of YouTubes that you're doing, right? Right. Right. Um, About lyrics. So tell us about that. Isn't there a whole episode about this? You are. You're a terrific saleswoman. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's called jazz, Rachel. This is your time. This is your solo. Yeah. I am going to be doing a sub channel YouTube, just dissecting lyrics, looking into what I feel like is a super important part of each song. So actually, this was a really fun project for me because that's kind of what I feel like I focus on a lot when I look at music. So that's kind of what I ripped apart in each of the four songs. Rachel is going to pick a song. In all of her YouTube episodes, she's going to dissect it. I think Sven's going to do that, too, in a lot of his YouTubes that he's doing this year. He's going to take a song. He's going to try to recreate the hook, things like that. So I thought, what better way to get YouTube traffic by saying, hey, here's us on the podcast doing it. Fresh reminder, if you love these episodes, there's going to be some YouTubes. So go do that, too. Cross promotion. I like it. Exactly. Mm. You got to cross the streams to succeed. Merchandising. We've postponed long enough. It's not season three until we get to the most important part of the night. Spend. what are you drinking? I've been sipping on an Uncle Nearest. Mm. I was in like a bourbon mood tonight. Rocks and chasing it with a uh, 10 barrel pub beer. Because <laughs> why not? Gotta yeah. hydrate. Sounds really, really good right now, to be honest. Rachel, what you got? Oh, you've got a seltzer. That's so weird. I know. Oh, Here's the thing. But it's not a Trulies. It's not. It's a Tapo Chico, which I'm very excited about. I love those. I've never had one before, but I'm really trying to watch the carbs. And I had a lot of uh, coffee earlier today because I was just going to do whiskey coffee, but then I just got over with coffee. So I just bought a gigantic Tapo Chico. How long have you been drinking for today? I'm going to tell you a <laughs> secret. There was no alcohol in that. <laughs> Am I a crazy person drinking at 2 p.m.? I just put the bottle next to it for the picture. And here I was so proud of you for a moment. I know. Well, I had to go get the kid from school. I can't just go driving around intoxicated. How's that Malaysian passport coming for us? Yeah. Evil, what are you drinking? Whiskey. Hey-oh. Just whiskey. I'm drinking a Christmas gift. (gasps) It is Calumet Farm. Maybe it's Calumet. I feel like it's Calumet. Calumet Farm. 14-year-old Kentucky Straight Bourbon. Mm. It's really good. Mm. It was barreled in March of 2006. I'm drinking it out of a new Waterford Crystal 
whiskey tumbler that I got. For Christmas? For Christmas, yeah. So for every episode one of every season, I will wear an Allison. Oh, and, and chasing it with Buffalo, Buffalo Trace. Trace. Sorry. Yeah, oh, that's important. Your big, humongous <laughs> bottle of Buffalo <laughs> Trace. Yeah. I will wear my Allison Chain shirt, and I will drink the worst drink in the history of man, a four local. Oh, oh Jesus. Four. <laughs> Whoa. And this one is, look, maybe last year's was just as bad, and I just don't remember it, but this is uh, different, weird levels of a terrible, terrible drink. God, if you ever want to just lie about it we got you man you you want to drink <laughs> like something normal did you buy that there or did you bring it with you <laughs> it's florida yeah it wasn't too hard to find a four okay. loco <laughs> i don't know <laughs> They grow on trees down there. You just go outside, just like it just flows in yes, the gutters. Yeah. They Gross. hand these out to you at the hotel. You check in. Fourteen yes, percent alcohol. Oh god. Um, You're gonna be fun in a bit. We're gonna take a break. Yes. And we're gonna start talking about songs. We'll be right back. We are back. Let's start talking about some songs. Let's break down some songs. We are going to start with what I feel would be the most obvious one on the list that I think most our listeners will definitely have an opinion on, something to say. We're going to start with Rachel's. Rachel, what you got? I'm last. (laughs) You're bringing it home. (laughs) Well, I'll be drunk by then. Yours is going to be the most interesting, which is why I had yours as last. And spend your second to least interesting. Yes. That makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we've already talked mine like (laughs) twice, I think. I got Landslide by Fleetwood Mac. I picked it. I picked it myself. <laughs> I think that should be a drinking rule right there. Every time Rachel accent. does an accent, <laughs> costs her a drink I to like do an that. accent. Yes. You can do your accents, Rachel, but you owe a drink. You hate my accents. Love it a lot I, now. I, was say, I like it a lot more now. I like this idea of having tokens. Like we can do things, but we have to pay for it with a drink. Ooh. I do too. I like this. Yeah. It's like currency. I, I How like much punishment. to shit on Michael Bublé? Take a drink. <laughs> yes. Every time you talk shit about Michael Bublé. This is fun. The Landslide by Fleetwood Mac. It's a little known banger by the band. This was on their 10th studio album back when people were putting out two or three albums uh, a year. That blew me away when I, I saw it was their 10th tenth album. Their 10th album. And I was I'll like, get to Geez. why it was their 10th. So this was released. It came after their ninth. Self-titled <laughs> album, Fleetwood Mac. It was released in July of 1975 by Reprise Records. Reached number 51 on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100, number 10 on the Adult Contemporary Chart. Certified Gold in 2009. It sold over 2 million copies in the U.S. as of 2017. And it is number 163 on the Rolling Stone Top 500 Greatest Songs of All Time, which I actually didn't know until... Why are you fiddling with a lighter like an arsonist? Because I need something in my hands at all times. It's <laughs> probably quieter <laughs> than a pen, said. so I approve. Why'd you choose this song? I chose this song because I like the lyrics. I like that the lyrics aren't overly complex. Like I don't need to dig in too deep to dissect them, but they're not incredibly obvious. They're they're pretty obvious, but they're not. The lyrics help you create imagery in which to understand what's going on in the song. It's not very straightforward, I guess. The reason this was on their 10th album, the actual, the first iteration of Fleetwood Mac was made in 1967 in London. And then they went through a bunch of band members. And then finally, in 1974, Mick Fleetwood was wandering around L.A. And he had heard a demo that Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks had put together and then ran into him in a club and then said, hey, Lindsey, want to be part of our band? And he's like, sure, but I want to bring my girlfriend. Is that OK? And then Stevie Nicks was 
uh, brought yeah, into weird. the mix. The British band sucks until they bring in the two Americans and all of a sudden they're amazing. <laughs> then they're amazing. And so this was their, their 10th album and the first one with Lindsey Buckingham and uh, Stevie Nicks. And so this is my Fleetwood Mac. Stevie Nicks is Fleetwood Mac in my head. Ew, no. <laughs> I guess we both have thoughts on that. Wow, that got awkward. You have so many thoughts. So you've studied this a lot with this episode, with your YouTube. Yes. How well at this point do you think that you understand this song? Pretty well. They're not super, super complex lyrics. You just have to sit down and think about it and read them as opposed to just jamming out and singing along and not thinking about it. I mean, we're this is this is a hard one to we're all extremely familiar with this, right? Evil Right. Sven. Yeah. Not only is it Fleetwood Mac, but it's the Fleetwood Mac song. Not that Fleetwood Mac doesn't have a ton of the Fleetwood Mac songs, but this is like the oh, song sure. of the Fleetwood Mac songs. Yeah. <laughs> Possibly even like my first Fleetwood Mac song I ever heard, maybe possibly yeah it wasn't actually a single which is kind of surprising it's just something that got popular later and it was also i would say that i probably heard the fleetwood mac version of it first just because of my dad but also it was redone by the chicks in 2002 which is a great version of it did they did they change their Uh, name in 2011 like a southern thing okay how lady antebellum changed their name to lady a because antebellum dixie it was when they were ripping down statues yeah you guys know the best way to not repeat history is to just completely forget about it right (laughs) (laughs) exactly evil what do you think this song's about oh well she was hanging out in aspen while Lindsay was off on tour they had had a fight previously i think there's also a little bit of it touches on her relationship with her father some strained feelings there as well and it's just her i'd be sitting in the cabin looking at the snow thinking about her life she was a waitress at the time i mean she wasn't stevie nicks yet she was just trying to make it and thinking about things the girl in her like what mid-20s yeah sort of staring out at the snow thinking what the hell am i doing with my life and i think that's what it's about like pretty much ditto, but I also cheated because I've already heard Rachel's. Oh, yeah, you already know. No. YouTube. <laughs> oh. Yeah, you can catch that on Oh My Word. Yeah, there you go. And it's funny because even you know, it's just like any song that's been around forever that's this big. Is there so many people that say it's about so many things? There's an interview where Stevie Nicks said that yeah, there were aspects about this that was about her dad. But then the reason why everybody thinks it's about her dad now is because her dad went on interviews saying, yeah, that song's about me. (laughs) So her dad is what made that song so much about her dad, Mm. which I think is really funny. Actually, the first story I had heard was very her dad centric. But when I watched, uh, there was a video that was a Oprah masterclass interview with her. She had said basically, yeah, her and Lindsay had recorded a demo. Yeah. Who knew? Who knew? It was just a short little clip. It seemed like it was probably in the last 10 years or so. Lindsay and Stevie had recorded a demo back in 1972. Then they drove to Los Angeles and they're like, we are going to be a band. This is going to be great. They got signed to Polydor Records shortly after that album sales were garbage. And they're like, yeah, we're going to drop you. Her and Lindsay were hungry and he ended up going on tour with Don Everly. And so, yeah, it was her sitting in a hotel room, I think in Aspen, just going like, well, fuck, (laughs) Uh, if this doesn't work out, then what do I do? I don't don't know where to go from here. I've built my life around you. Lyric creates this great imagery of you setting up your life to be a certain way and then it not turning out that way. And well, what do you do now? Stepping on my best line of the 
song, what but it's that's about. fine. Um, <laughs> Sven, I want to talk a little it's bit about the musicality of this. This song is like pure arpeggio, so you absolutely love it, right? Yeah. Um, oh, wasn't expecting that. No, I mean, I, as beautiful as it is harmonically, I think this is this is rare for me to say, but I think that the real impact of the song is the story and the lyrics. It's a pretty song. If you do what I normally do and ignore words, you'll totally still enjoy it, but it's still... I think one of the reasons it's so good is because it's not that pretty. You don't think? And what I mean by that is she's dropping notes. She's flat in some things. The guitar's not... So I listened to this for the longest time. I just thought, I thought they had a, a 12 string, string guitar. Yeah. And it turns out that he just played it, re-recorded and played the same thing. And that's why you hear the little kind of hmm. minor differences and the chinks and that sort of thing. And with her, sometimes you can't even tell if it's because she just got emotional mm -hmm. while she's singing or what. But like I said, she misses notes. She's flat and it doesn't, it doesn't take away from the song. I think mm -hmm. it makes it better. Both mm -hmm. those comments could apply to a lot of music from this era, though, that was recorded that time yeah. with yeah. similar techniques. Yeah, when you're comparing apples to apples, look at the score. Chords and how they're voicing things. It's done really well. And I love how it's like arpeggios. And it's fairly busy. Like the finger picking is fairly busy. But everything is staying the hell out of the way of the vocals. Like nothing is getting yeah. close to stepping on Stevie Nicks's voice. And I love it's that it just creates. very dust in the wind. Y hey, there. Yeah. <laughs> Evil, do you like this song? I do. I like it. I miss humanity in music. I miss the the warts and the scars and the flat notes. Mm -hmm. And I miss that. I miss the timing kind of meandering in music. I, yeah. I, like everything's at a click right now and everything's pitch corrected. And it, it's like AI generated art. It looks too plasticky to me. You know, I like, I miss this in music. I've always liked this song, but actually taking the time to really sit and listen to it today in 2023 it makes me miss music like real music real performances yeah. we were already talking about the guitar we can go back to the guitar i i don't have the notes memorized but it's really e flat c minor seven like super super easy chords mm. with really really subtle changes there's a small bridge all it does is add like a perfect yeah. fourth but it changes the whole little tasty solo he plays too Lindsay buckingham is a fucking monster yeah. player it's it's subtle too but he is electric too yeah. out of nowhere mm -hmm. like you're expecting an yep. acoustic solo Ooh. and he hits you with that nice clean so smooth strat tone it's mm. so clear yeah it's freaking awesome for a studio album it has a live feel i feel mm -hmm. and it's probably because of all the imperfections that we just kind of listed yep. out Nope. Mm -hmm. You know what it's like? I'm going to make an alcohol reference here because that's what we do. It's like a, a it's like a pot stilled liquor. It's uh, got like mm. the impurities in it still. It's it not distilled to the Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's not like so overly distilled and condensed to where it's perfect. Those little touches, those flavors, it complements her vocal performance so much which also has touches of that as well, you feel it more. I mean, we're humans listening to this. We're not algorithms listening to shit. We're humans listening to music. And so I, I miss that. Speak for yourself, I, man. 
Well, yeah, yeah, because you're <laughs> no. you're super producer now. I like, know, you super. Like everything to be yes and no as far as the perfection. And I talk about this on the first episode of Sven's Fun House on YouTube. Uh-huh. Um, there's times where things have to be super in tune, super perfect to a click. Pitch needs to be dead center, and it's all based on context. All the other things that are playing supporting roles. There's times where you intentionally want imperfections. There's times where you just can't make things perfect. Even the best singer on their best day is still gonna have some imperfection in their voice and they're not gonna hit everything in tune, especially when you're emotional or you're trying to convey. Mm -hmm. If you're Mm -hmm. trying to emote through your voice, what gives it that emotion is all the impurities. I remember taking violin lessons as a kid and as a kid, I did the Suzuki method. So any shout out to young Asian, actually, it's, it's all over the world yeah. now. Any young hey, kids that are- Yeah, don't be taking, racist. You know. I know the Suzuki method. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and it's it's a, the brutal method of learning music. Every day was just me and a metronome and my mom with a feather duster ready to crack down on my knuckles if I (laughs) wasn't timed up with the metric. But the thing is like, I learned that way. And when I got good enough to start taking lessons from, it was the first chair in in the symphony here in Boise. The biggest thing that I was having problems with was making the music sound real. Mm -hmm. I played so mechanically. So I had to learn how to play things not really imperfectly, but with enough variance that it sounded human and made a connection. Nowadays, there's a lot of lazy producers, I know personally, who (laughs) achieve that artificially. Like you take a track, you duplicate it, and then you go in and mess with slightly dragging Mm. the timing and slightly making things like one or two cents out of tune. Yeah, it's very puff daddy. It's hard hard to hear when it happens. That's why it took me a while to warm up, but then I got very, very into Jacob Collier because he takes that mathematical vision of it and then finds that way to make it a little bit dirty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like you you went into the thing with his album about how he breaks his four bars into however many pieces just so that he can make that bass drum kick just, just like, a little bit yeah. off. Really, really intriguing how now it's coming full circle to we miss that messiness and then we got everything perfect. And now we use that same instruments to perfect things to make it a little bit messy <laughs> to make it imperfect <laughs> yeah what's crazy is yeah. that ai is learning this and ai is yep. able to take a single take and make it sound like you did four different takes this song a little bit about dads yeah i think you said your dad's favorite band is fleetwood mac maybe you didn't may, sorry i maybe might have a, a, maybe you just said it's, he played them all it's the not time he something. played them all the time though yeah he likes them a uh, lot so does this song have any sort of special meaning there i mean it does in the sense that this is definitely more soundtrack to my childhood because my dad was in love with stevie nicks <laughs> who isn't uh who isn't she's a babe wow really sorry dl i didn't say i hate her fucking guts i'm just not in love with <laughs> yeah. her she's so pretty You're and talented missing out he was a she's... debbie harry guy oh back that's then. fine and actually the other female in fleetwood mac as well oh. um oh. but we can get there later that's what she said look i better work on editing this stevie nicks extremely talented oh yeah mm. i don't think that you know fleetwood mac here's something and i will thank you for this rachel mm-hmm. fleetwood mac is one of those bands that i just i just don't think of oh yeah sure even when people talk about fleetwood mac i'm like yeah they're good kind of in a, like fuck them a little bit like i don't not like married to any of it but then 
mm-hmm. when you gave the song, you know, I pulled out rumors and I pulled out this album and I p- turned the vinyls. And I'm like, holy fucking shit, dude. These guys, man, they they are an <laughs> incredible sure. fucking band. And so thank you to you because, yeah, that kind of reminded me that like, yeah, there's a reason that people like these fuckers because they are yeah. goddamn amazing. I think they're, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously they were very popular in their day. I think because they weren't on like a gigantic like Stones Beatles sort of level that they fall behind and get forgotten until you listen to something and you're like, oh yeah, Fleetwood Mac, they're really good. A lot of bands who had a creative peak in like mid, late 70s and then tried to yeah. stay relevant through the 80s had a sure. starship phase, you know, yes. we built this city. <laughs> yes. Fleetwood Mac wasn't nearly on that level, but as they entered into the 80s and the conflict within the band probably didn't help their creative process. Well, and you did have certain personalities that started to take over the fucking Yes, band. yes. The woman in the big, huge black dress that has to be in the middle of the <laughs> album cover. Eventually, <laughs> stuff like that yeah. is going to be a problem. I don't even want to say I have issues with Stevie Nicks, but maybe that's where my weird kind of Stevie Nicks, well, let's wait a second on she's a goddess sure. sort of stuff comes from. Yeah, you can hate her for that. That's fine. God, we should. Um, when are we going to dissect this band? This was their 10th album, and then they did yeah. a whole bunch yeah, of like, That would take yeah. a while. A whole bunch more. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go back to the singing. Kind of already touched on it. Her runs are slow, not that many notes. It's so hard to be interesting when you're staying that way, especially in a song that just has so few components. And her vocals are so straightforward melodically, like with the exception of deceptive, fading, lower notes and notes that almost don't even land it keeps you so interested everything about this song i hear and i'm like i should fucking hate this song Mm. nope next no thank you i fucking love it you know what i'm just wondering now why they didn't take it up a whole step or two it wouldn't have that breathy that melancholy Mm -hmm. feel the melancholy yeah i guess that's true that's true she feels pained yes, through it. But it's just not, slightly. Just slightly. But it's not sad. No. That's what's so crazy. Almost wistful. Yeah. Her timing is it's not like these wild vocal runs or anything, but her no. timing yeah. is incredibly subtle and brilliant. Just some of the words and how she strings them together. With the lyrics out and reading the lyrics, if you're like listening to a song, reading ahead, like kind of sight reading ahead and like, how is she going to nail this? And she does it in a way that it's just like, I wouldn't have done it that way, but she did and it worked. It worked really well. And that's fucking genius. That's exactly what I did. I was listening to it because everybody knows Lance. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going through and I'm looking ahead. I'm like, why does this feel so different? And then all of a sudden she yeah. gets to the part where she's singing about how she's been uh, changing or she's talking about change. And suddenly there's this whole, it's like a B flat or something that just has not Mm. been in the entire song. That's not on accident. These people are fucking geniuses, Mm -hmm. right? Genius. (laughs) We'll start with this. Are there any lines in this that maybe anybody hasn't quite figured out that they want some help on? What about the first line? By the way, I have been walking around my house for like four weeks, just going, I took my love and I took it down. And <laughs> my, <laughs> my whole house is just, they're all going to murder me. <laughs> How do you feel about it? Indifference. It's the oscillation of moving back and forth. Because then she goes into, I climbed a mountain and I turned around. She's doing, mm-hmm. it's, mm-hmm. there's, I love you, I don't love you. I'm doing this, I'm not doing this. Put herself out there and then backed up and then that that similarly kind of repeated and climbed mountain and then turned around kind of a thing. She had written this after the Buckingham Knicks debut album and they, they were like, yeah, fuck you, you didn't sell enough. And so it could be very much 
put out that way of like, I put myself out there and then now I'm not going to because fuck you guys. You know, that's landslide. Did anybody have any notes that we didn't cover? Not until we get to awards. Yeah. Landslide's <laughs> landslide, like we said, everybody yeah. knows it. But this was still fun. Let's get to awards and categories. The John McRae best line of the song. Hey, Spend. Hey. What's the best line of this song? I don't care. Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I've been afraid of changing because I've built my life Fuck around you. you. But time Fuck makes you bolder. You. What? Was that? Did I? St- it's literally it's everybody's lyric. Well, it's the best line in the song. I've been is. afraid of changing because I've built my life around you. That is the best. Mm. That is such a good lyric. That's it is. So yeah. fucking good. It's not the best one. <gasps> What's the best oh, one? Evil. Oh, mirror in the sky. What is love? You know. That is really good. <laughs> it's fucking brilliant. In is context it... of this song? Yeah. She's trying to see herself in the world and ask like yeah. what what the fuck is going on right now. Mine's better. <laughs> <laughs> the demographic ward. Rachel, who is this song for? My dad. I was going to say that. Has he been afraid of change? It's him? for Gus. No. Or did he go his own way? <laughs> he went his own way. <laughs> Is he trying to break the chain? Uh, there we go. Oh my God. <laughs> I just hope he doesn't stop thinking about tomorrow. <laughs> um, uh, who's this, this for Gus or is that your real answer? Uh, I did write Gus. I wrote my dad because okay. I'm not disrespectful. Also, people at a crossroads, I guess, is if you want to decipher your life. This is a good uh, deep thought crying sort of song. I said any women with daddy issues, so all women. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> that's gonna get some comments. <laughs> that's gonna get some comments. It's the same as Rachel said. It's anybody that's at a crossroads. Sven, who's this song for? Robert Johnson, because <laughs> stay with me. He went down to the crossroads. I don't know, dude. I'm just trying to feed into this crossroad thing. I don't know who this song is for. Anyone that feels overwhelmed by all sorts of things that are happening really rapidly in their life, sitting on the edge of perhaps something great but it could all fall apart just as fast <laughs> as it could go great and in typical Sven fashion he goes I don't know man I don't know and then gives the best answer that any of us are going to give fuck you um, Sven yeah That's seven nuts and <laughs> <laughs> evil Good who's one. the song for tipsy white chicks and ski lodges boom sure the Freebird award is this the band's best song and is it close I don't have like a Fleetwood Max best ones that come to the top of my head immediately Sure. Until I think of another one. Yes. So you're going by like popularity because I would say this is definitely their most popular song. Yeah. You don't yeah, think so? I, I mean, I'm kind of like you. In it. Let's just for, sh- no. for shits and giggles. <laughs> let's. Oh, actually. Landslide, according to Spotify, is their fifth most streamed song. Sure is. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Go your own way. Come Dreams, on. Dreams, the chain everywhere. <laughs> yeah, go your probably... own way. I mean, gold dust woman for me, but you know. I don't think it's their best song. I think that I have at least 10 Fleetwood Mac songs that I like more than this one. Rumors is a better album than but, this album. Uh, yeah. But oh, I don't for think, sure. I mean, yeah. I don't think that's a big reach. Yeah. I was taking a risk. <laughs> well, you, 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 nice. you landed it. Uh, Rachel, I is this slided a, it. Is there, oh, Dad joke mm. of the night. <laughs> Take a drink. Is this their best song? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think it's in the top five. Maybe not the top five. I put it top five. I, I would put it top five. Because you literally just heard that it was in the top five. I already knew it was in the top five. I looked earlier today. The John Paul Jones Award. I had put, you can fight me on this. So 
I grew up with the Fleetwood Mac version, very likely hearing this one first. When I was oh, Jesus. Turn off your mic. <laughs> when I was coming into my music, the chicks redid this. I Ooh. hate all of you. The chicks, you fucker. So you want Laura Lynch on this album or on this song? I had said I could use a little banjo. I could use a little fiddle. I kind of liked the plucking feel to the chicks version of it. And I thought it could use a little bit of that. And honestly, her voice could have used a friend. Did you like the chicks version more than the Fleetwood Mac version of this song? She does not want to answer, but you can tell by her face. She prefers the beep chicks version of this song. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sven, what about you? I wouldn't have added anything. I do like the Chicks version of this, though. I don't know if it's better, but I definitely probably listen to it more. I think it has more yeah. feeling than this one, and that's why I like it more. It really feels like, I, and maybe it's just I have a big crush on Natalie Maines. I feel like she digs a little Natalie Maines. digs a little deeper. Yeah. What you got, Evil? What's your John Paul Jones? Uh, this might be a stretch. In terms of eras and... This was a British band before Stevie and Buckingham joined. This is mostly just because I want a, a shout out to one of the greatest guitar players that ever lived. Mm. A, a little bit of a, a Jeff Beck solo in there. Motherfucker. Yeah. We yeah. absolutely should have cheers at the beginning of this episode. Uh, I already Let's did. Let's do it now. Yeah. Jeff Beck passed away two days ago. Yeah. Two days uh, ago. Two days like since very we sudden this. meningitis, yes. which is... I mean, he wasn't uh, wasn't a spring chicken. He was seventy eight, right? But he was healthy and yeah. like was performing, and like I think it caught it, it like kicked the legs out from me underneath everybody. And that guy is arguably maybe a little bit of a, a rough character to deal with personally. But he was a tremendous guitar player. He liked doing things the way he did them. <laughs> he had his opinions about stuff, but fucking a, could that guy? No one sounds like Jeff Beck. Nobody. Sounds like Jeff Beck. We had the pleasure of interviewing Jennifer Batten, who toured with Mm. Jeff Beck for a couple years. You would think that with the kind of reputation that Beck had, which wasn't a terrible reputation, but as Evil just said, he had a reputation of maybe being a little bit of a character to try to deal with. Mm -hmm. Jennifer Batten, you could very obviously adored him. Adored him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think anyone who worked and played with him felt that way. Maybe I'm wrong, but this is how I feel. Widely renowned as one of the best guitar players of all time, still somehow underrated. He's like under the radar. He never had a hit. Yeah. That's it. That's really it. That's what differentiates him from the legends that everyone would know. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers to the Jeff Beck. Yes. Um, Yeah. He will be missed. So anyway, we kind of bit off your John Paul Jones there, evil, but. (laughs) I think we achieved what I was trying to do. (laughs) There we go. Good. Yeah. Rachel, I'm so glad that your John Paul Jones was what your John Paul Jones was. Because for my John Paul Jones, I wanted to play a little game. Let's play who had the best cover of Landslide. Because it has been covered by so many fucking people. Mm-hmm. Does anybody have any besides the chicks? Smashing Pumpkins had a very, very famous one. Mm-hmm. That's um, one I would probably pick. Uh, Sven, do you have any that you cared about? Yeah, Bush had one. Ah, uh, It wasn't the chicks. Was it Miley? Oh, maybe. Probably. Oh, I... There's another female singer, and I can't think of who it is I now. It I do also enjoy the Chicks version. Are any of them as good as Hole's cover of Gold Dust Woman? <gasps> you know, when you said Gold Dust Woman, oh. I was like, and you said that was your favorite Fleetwood Mac song. I said, nope, that's my favorite Hole song. Yeah, me that too. That <laughs> version of Gold Dust Woman is so good. Yep. Ugh, so good. Um, 
Stop covering landslide, everyone. <laughs> Stop it. Deal. Billy Corgan, the Dixie Chicks, fucking Miley Cyrus, you are not... You know what bugs me about particularly actually the Smashing Pumpkins one is he just tries to do it exactly like Fleetwood Mac. I think the Dixie Chicks version has way less feeling than Ooh. the Fleetwood Mac one. But there's like, more plucking. Fuck off. There is a lot <laughs> and more plucking. Pluck off. More strings. And the vocals are very, you know, I am amazing vocalist that can do this. But like I said, that's not why Landslide is good. This is not a song to cover. Just enjoy it, you fucking heathens. Um, <laughs> was this song ahead of its time or well-timed? Rachel? I put that it was timeless. Ayo. A never-ending battle for everyone. So in that way, it is timeless. Style-wise, I feel like it is kind of reminiscent of the mid-late 70s, but not entirely. I mean, I feel like you could play this today and maybe get away with it. I think it was perfectly timed. This is as 1975 as you can possibly get. And I yeah. think it's. I think you're right. I think it's timeless. Very, very 1975. If this wouldn't have come out in 75, they wouldn't have as many covers of it today <laughs> as we do. Nobody started covering it until the 90s. Evil. Uh, what about you? I said it was poignantly timed because it perfectly captured her emotions in that moment. Aww. Ding, ding, ding. It's romantic. I'll drink to that. That's very pretty. This is an interesting question. I'm going to go right back to you, Evil. It can be answered in multiple ways. I think this so, is the question that confuses me the most. So I'm curious to hear everyone's... I yeah. like this question. Evil is the band as good as the song. I think that they are as good and better than this song. That's what I said. I think they're better. They yeah. are deceptively universal. I'm not saying that to disparage this song at all. No. They put as much into this as, as this song required for us to be fucking talking about it in 2023. Mm -hmm. And then they recorded some other shit that is like mind blowing. I agree. Yeah. Most of the band didn't play on this song. <laughs> so it's, it's really like, <laughs> there's, there's a whole band there, I promise. You are going to be maybe surprised by this because I like this song a lot. It was very lazy in comparison to the rest of their music. The song is great, but I think they're much better than this. This was a this was a just doing is it enough. lazy, or was that just a good choice by them? Because this is a yeah. killer for what it is. This is a fucking perfect song for what mm -hmm. it is. I don't think that's lazy. We're talking about it. It's twenty twenty three. Yeah, you picked it. What the fuck? I did pick it, and it's a great song. It's not. I didn't want to pluck pick in. metal. <laughs> pluck, go pluck yourself. Pluck off. Amazing, amazing, and I think they have some really, really good stuff. So I think they're better than this song. Who won the song? Uh, Stevie Nicks mm. won the song. Sven, who do you think won the song? Gus won the song. Evil, who do you think won the song? This is apocryphal, but she allegedly wrote this in like less than five minutes, and she was like a waitress in Aspen oh, sure. trying to rethink her life. And then went on to sell millions and millions of albums. I think Stevie Nicks won this for sure. Let's end it with the chosen one, Rachel, who won the song. <laughs> I also say Stevie Nicks because she got a job. Because she got the job she after this. She got a job. Good job. <laughs> Stevie Nicks, Stevie Nicks, Stevie Nicks, Gus. That is Landslide, everybody. We hope we did it justice. We'll take a break. <laughs> we'll be right back. are back 
you're back. We got one more song for this episode to talk about. The second most well-known one. It's also one that we've already talked about on this podcast a little bit and actually maybe mentioned twice on two separate episodes. Sven's pick. Yay! Sven, what you what you got? Okay, on the count of three, everyone say their favorite Foo Fighters song that features an accordion. One, two, three. This one. This one. Yeah, I should have known. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I chose I should have known. Uh, okay, so it is seventh studio album by the Foo Fighters. Uh, and yeah, 2011 on Wasting Light. Well, okay, before I get there, Wasting Light, it's the album that Dave Grawl did in his garage or in his house with legendary Butch Vig. And of all the songs on that album, I felt like this one not only had a good backstory, well, we'll get into the story behind the song, but it had a good story to tell. It was just interesting. All the rumors around it, melodically and sonically, it has some interesting things going on. Yeah. Accordion. It took me a while to realize that was an accordion in the intro and at the mm-hmm. end. And then it took me reading the credits to figure out it was Chris. Secretly, I'm a Foo Fighters fan. I don't know if I've mentioned that before, but coming out of the closet now. And news to me. <laughs> it's one of the most fascinating songs on Wasting Light. I think I had heard this like casually, but I didn't know it as a pop banger because it didn't sound brand new, but it doesn't didn't sound super familiar either. So this was a good one. Wasting Light, my number two Foo Fighters album. I love the color and the shape for a number of reasons. Oh. I like Wasting Light for a lot of reasons that we were talking about landslide for. Yeah. They recorded this to tape. Yeah. In an era when you don't do that. I fucking love that. Butch Vig's like, what? You want me to do what? (laughs) Pat Smear coming back. Pat Smear's a badass. I fucking love, I love this album a lot. And I'm a Foo Fighters fan. So this is an interesting pick. I feel like this song, because of the events of the past year, Mm Mm-hmm has evolved meaning at first i was like oh okay listen to it and then i actually sat down and listened to it with the words out with the the lyrics and oh man this is uh this is hard to listen to i don't think i knew that Chris was on it that was like another layer of like oh fuck it's even more meaning to it first few like analytical listens through his bass coming out i'm just like oh the bass is getting after it here and then of course. Like when first. it comes in, it's like <laughs> way louder uh, than you normally put the bass track. It's just like, yeah, oh, yeah, there's yeah. Good choice. Very good choice. Yeah. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. It's a dark song for anyone that hasn't isn't familiar. I think it's the darkest Foo Fighters song, mm. definitely on Wasting Light, maybe the darkest Foo Fighters mm. song, period. Butch Vig called it an emotional roller coaster. And correct me, anyone wants to jump in because you know how I am with lyrics. Um, but to me, this song is all about survivor's guilt, mm-hmm. um, yep. really. It's all about that feeling of you're the one that's still around and you're doing awesome. That sinking feeling of like people you loved, people that you were friends with, people that you were close to that aren't there to share that with you. Like, should you be enjoying it? Are you indebted to them? Do you owe them something? Is this, how do you move on? I think what we're all dancing around is there's so many rumors, I think, circling about who it's written about. Uh, The first that comes to mind is uh, Dave Grohl's childhood friend, Jimmy Mm -hmm. Swanson. He died to a drug overdose in 2008. They were good friends, and losing your best friend can be devastating, especially 
to something like an, you know, at a young age Mm -hmm. to an overdose, what could you have done? Should you have recognized something? Could you have reached out? Should you have paid more attention? There's a whole camp of people that make the Kurt Cobain connection, right? Sure. Part of this could be directly related to, to Kurt Cobain's death. It could be about Foo Fighters taking off and becoming such a success after Nirvana. And then and then most recently, like we kind of nudged, and, and of course this is after the song was released, written, this pattern that repeats in Dave Grohl's life, now he's lost Taylor. It's relevant again, all over mm-hmm. again. It's like the same story keeps repeating. He's been a rock star, for the, a prime rock star, a rock star yeah. that tours and shit for 32 years. It's It sucks, but yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's going to happen. That's my big thing about listening to this song is I, if it were me and I was writing a song like this, and I'm not at all saying that that's what Dave Grohl's talking about, but for me, there's got to be such a weird fucking feeling of living in an industry where this shit's just going to happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Somebody that means as much as Taylor Hawkins did to you and now he's gone and they just said like a week ago they're starting to tour again. In what other industry and in what other job and what other form of life could you possibly keep right. going on with something that like your brother died doing? The name of the song is I should have known. This is the third person yeah. like I should have known. That probably sounds like I'm I'm not knocking Dave Grohl by any means or anything like that. It's how could you keep going when well, when fucking Taylor Hawkins died or Kurt Cobain I, died? I, I, I want to say that this is Metallica that this story is about, but I could be wrong. Um, like a highly successful band that was going through like a tumultuous period who was like, we have to go out on the road because there are hundreds of humans whose livelihood depends on us touring right now. And we have to fucking go back to work. Yeah. We have to suck it up. So this industry built around us can continue. Survivor's guilt, that word guilt, I didn't tie it to this until he said that. And I'm like, oh my God, that's, that is so heavy. But I think that there is something to that. Yeah. Yeah. What a fucking pick, man. When I first saw it, I'm like, oh, of course yeah. Sven yeah. picked a Foo Fighters yeah. song. And then I listened to it and read the lyrics. I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. He picked <laughs> like the, <laughs> the perfect Foo Fighters song. And this is like, might be the most brilliant pick of of both of these episodes that we're recording right now. So I mean, mine was. But like we talked too. It's like, right. it's not just like some friends playing music together. It's not that simple anymore. Yeah. It's a company. Well, and there's also... The co- the, there's as somebody that's a little more own your own actions. In the end, it's not fucking Dave right. Grohl's fault that yeah. No. Yeah. Taylor yeah. Hawkins couldn't yeah. stop doing Any of fucking it. drugs. It's not right. Dave Grohl's fault that fucking Kurt Cobain right. did what he did. Right. Why the fuck shouldn't he get to keep going being the Foo Fighters? And the thing too, like if you think about specifically with like Kurt or with Nirvana, Foo Fighters wouldn't have existed if Kurt sure. wouldn't have yeah, died. Sure. Right. Right. Maybe. Like, Maybe because maybe all the, all the guys in Nirvana say that that shit was done anyway. It was done. It was, but I think like how Dave just had to go in the studio and get a bunch of stuff out. Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah. In terms of timelines, Nirvana was in the spotlight about as long as we've been living with COVID. I mean, yeah, yeah. Right. It's so it, short. Yeah. Dave has to think about the rest of his fucking life after that. That's a good point. Like if you think about, I can't remember how old he is now. 53. You look at his whole life. Nirvana was such yeah, a, it's a 53. Sliver. Yeah. Such a small, Ooh, good reference. Small 
chunk of his life. And the ending of Nirvana kind of launched the second. Right. Who the song's about, though, Dave kind of addresses it. It's about a bad relationship I was involved in. Mm. He doesn't name any names, doesn't no specifics, just bad relationship. He certainly knew that people were going to draw parallels with Kurt Cobain's sure. death. Sure. Right, and he totally well, leaned into it when he he got Chris to isn't come there and play. An interview where Butch does Butch does say this is about Jimmy Swanson and Kurt Cobain. That, that's him, like I, but I, you, there's no soundbite of Dave yeah, actually. That's, that's the same as Stevie Nicks' dad right. saying this song's about me. You get someone really close saying it. This song is about Stevie Nicks. Might I'm just be. saying right now. <laughs> there's not a whole lot of lyrics yeah it's a very simple song and Mm -hmm. it's really repetitive i think he kind of intentionally leaned into the kurt cobain thing yeah if you really dig back through like old nirvana interviews and stuff dave and kurt were not that close he always made comments about feeling like the outsider Mm -hmm. not feeling accepted in the band kurt didn't like the way he drummed which blows my mind because i respect (laughs) kurt cobain so much but i also respect dave grohl drumming in nirvana so much and Mm -hmm. what that did for modern drummers chris however had a relationship with kurt yeah dave bringing chris in on this track helped kind of make that link a little more solid. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I think he's really trying to blur the line about who it could be about, who it couldn't Mm -hmm. be about, leave things pretty open intentionally, but also knowing it's a business and this is going to be good for marketing if you get people drawing those, especially old Nirvana fans. And as a fan, it's fun. Oh, yeah. I don't even want to say fun. It's As a fan, it's nice to think this is Dave Grohl's Kurt Mm. Cobain song. Right. So without reading anything about the song and looking at the lyrics, I'm like, I'm grasping at straws trying to figure out who it's about. And one line... I should have known I was inside of you. Is this like a relationship right. song? Is this about a, a, mm. a, a girlfriend? Is this like, what's going on there? I do feel like it is maybe intentionally vague and is about multiple relationships that he's had. Or maybe he's, there is a song where he says, I'm inside of you. Uh, <laughs> Rachel, what? Rachel, do you like this song? I do. And I actually didn't do deep diving research into the meanings of the lyrics. You didn't do deep dive? I didn't deep dive. Didn't do deep dive? Didn't do deep dive. Oh my God. I didn't do deep dive. And I thousand percent just thought it was about some chick. There was another with the hands in hands, touching hands. Lay your hand in mine. Uh, Yes. Lay your hand in mine, which also makes me think. Touching you. Sweet. Sweet Caroline. Caroline. <laughs> da, da, da. <laughs> uh, David, why aren't you singing along? I'm waiting for you to say something about the song for fuck's sake. I Rachel. am. <laughs> Lay your hands in mine. Heal me one last time. It makes it just, I feel relationship vibes from it. I don't necessarily feel dude on dude stuff. That well, and inside I, you, I mean, I can get like. I've been where you've been. I know you. I know how you work. Maybe that's what it was, but I heard sex stuff. Yeah, but if you have a buddy that dies, you can say, like, lay your hand in mine. You have no idea what. Maybe he was holding. No, his- yeah. And inside, you could be, like, mentally. Yeah. You know, like, I'm, I've seen where your head's at. I've been in your head. I should have known this. I, there was this side of you. It's also pretty, not cheesy, but it's pretty generic. Well, it's poem. pretty vague. Shit. <laughs> Like that's that's true time. Dave Grohl style, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's what I mean. He's, he's the fake. kind of guy like, that yeah. will like write a whole song, have zero lyrics, walk into the studio and be like, 
okay, give me five minutes. Blah, yeah. blah, blah. I need something Here's... that rhymes with mine. <laughs> mine. Heal me. Okay, Heal me also, one last time. Yeah. yeah. Back to me being right. Maybe you was right. <laughs> didn't want to fight. I feel like that's like mm. a relationshipy thing too. Uh, I mean, people in bands fight all the time. No, no dude. When you when you call someone out dude, for like doing thing? too many drugs, <laughs> like Man. you're gonna have yeah. a fight. Yeah, Sven and Brent and I are three <laughs> of the cool. Well. Sven and Brent are two of the chillest dudes I've ever known, <laughs> and we fought all the fucking time. So you were teenagers. Yeah. So okay, so, can we get to the music? <laughs> yeah. So we haven't really. So essentially, what I'm getting is that I have chosen that this is actually about what Sven kind of was alluding to in Survivor's Guilt and and the numerous people that Dave Grohl's lost in the industry. The correct answer is probably what Rachel and Evil have said, which is kind of more of an I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rachel dis- No, so Rachel, you straight up think it's about a relationship. I think it's about a romantic relationship. Nah. If it, I had to bet money. The situation that the place there, that he was in at that point in his life, I don't see him writing that. He could have had a romantic relationship go awry back then. Tying your two theories, a okay. couple theories together. He could have written it about a bad romantic relationship when they got to his house to record this and they started going through this track. It was just like, wait a minute. I see yeah. an opportunity. Let's get yeah. Chris on bass. So we could all be right. I that like either way. I like that. It got all of us talking about it. And it got a lot of people well, on the internet talking about it. I mean, today it is relevant in the context of Taylor. This song could have evolved over time in terms of its meaning. Okay. If we're done talking about all the boring <laughs> stuff, can I get to like the music? Yeah. Let's talk about the music. Cause that fucking bass yeah. is dirty when it comes in. It's oh dirty. my God. Starting so it bookends with accordion and haunting weird violin stringy stuff, right? And going back to how this was recorded on tape, I watched the outtake, the deleted scenes from the documentary, where Chris had insane amount of takes to get one note on the accordion. <laughs> like that's literally just one he's just playing one accordion note, but he kept running out of accordion. <laughs> Like he's stretching the accordion and then it gets to the end and Butch is like, no, you got to keep going. Like go all the way till Dave starts singing. He's like, I am out of accordion. When I was thinking back to the song before I actually went back and listened to it, this song is so much simpler and shorter than I remembered it. Mm. This is very simple. simple. Yeah. Super short. And repetitive and short. But I think the reason that it comes across or in memory, you feel like it's It's bigger and longer ballad is the way it builds it starts so soft and then it ends so huge before everything collapses and falls out it goes back to being soft again right and they do it in these really purposeful steps it's almost like landslide you got guitar and vocals it's melancholy it's emotional and then slowly the rest of the elements of the song start creeping in that walking riff that 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 starts creeping in and it's beautiful the drums come in with like this taylor hawkins like that i don't know it's like it's not like a surf beat but kind of like i don't even know what to gives it like this lilting triplet kind of a feel after the chorus, it goes instrumental, which is really where you start. You hear Chris's bass, that nasty tone mm. with all the mm. distortion. And it's not the same sound he used in Nirvana, which kind of surprised no. me. I thought they were going to try to just do the Nirvana thing. But it's way more upfront and it's way more trebly and distorted and bah! 
it works in that oh man it the it crescendos into it and it like it's meaningful i was taking notes and i'm like oh the bass i literally wrote o o h <laughs> the bass <laughs> and then i go back and i, I find out it's chris and i'm like of course it was <laughs> you know it was like you're oh. like oh the <laughs> bass right yeah exactly but you're right it doesn't sound like him i wouldn't have picked it out as him but it's, it's seldom that uh, like anything gets dirtier than pat smear right. on a record <laughs> What I think is really cool is after that next chorus, they go into this bridge section, which is the pre-chorus chords with that da, 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 da. But Dave sings a whole new melody then on top of the ones and threes that are going on that original chord progression. So now you've got like a third layer on top of the same thing that would have been the pre-chorus. To me, that's where it gets so fascinating, how they took such simple parts and made it sound so damn complicated, mm, like at this it. point. Yeah. There's, yeah. That's the musicality broken down. That's the lyrics. We, who knows what it's about, I guess. Let's do some awards and categories. So Sven, what's the best oh, line shit. of this song? There's not a lot of lyrics yeah. to choose from, right? Mm, like, right. It's all yeah. repetitive. This was a struggle. Um, I'm going with the bridge lyrics. Maybe you was right. Didn't want to fight. I should have known. Couldn't see the signs. Couldn't see the light. I should have known. That's half the lyrics in the whole song. So <laughs> you're allowed. This is hard. Yeah. Him screaming over and over. No, I cannot forgive you yet. That's really, really fucking powerful. Rachel, what mm -hmm. about you? Again, this is from the perspective of having this as a relationship song. I should have known I was inside you. I should have known there was that side of you. And I think even if you have it as a male, male friendship relationship, or even a a female male relationship, just reading that you're like, that is graphic. But for some reason, even me thinking that it was a romantic relationship, it didn't come off graphic for me. It came off as this really more of like, I thought I knew who you were because we had this experience. Evil. It was great. I like it. There's a line that repeats a few times throughout the song. The very first time it said, it says, leave my heart in debt. Later, it says, you leave my heart in debt. Mm -hmm. But the very last time he says it, he says, you leave us all in debt. I don't know if that was an intentional choice. I feel like this song has gained more meaning with the passing of Taylor Hawkins. That line just struck me more because of that in the scope of, like, we don't know what this is about. We don't know if it's who he wrote it for and you know songs can evolve they can their meanings can evolve over time mm -hmm. that one just hit me particularly hard i think yeah they're like we're gonna tour we're gonna keep going you leave us all in debt whoever this is about that line hits really hard for me that will lead into the demographic award for me because i do think that this is it if it's a bad relationship, it's a bad relationship. But I think this is a great song for anyone that's lost somebody before their time, particularly by something that's self-inflicted. You know, I think back to Rachel when we did Joy Division and Ian Curtis dies and all the interviews are of his friends being like, well, yeah, we read his lyrics after he dies and we're like, well, mm -hmm. of course our friend was going to fucking kill himself. What the hell were we right. doing? I think there's a little bit of that in here. I think it's for anyone who's lost someone for stupid reasons yeah regardless of what they are i like it i don't like it you just said you liked it i do like it Fucking edit that out weirdo. david um <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna build on that lost somebody for stupid reasons and 
lost somebody relationship-wise for stupid Mm -hmm. reasons as well. Tying it all together. I think it's for everybody because everybody feels like at some point in their life, they've had the rug pulled out from under them and have been like, what the fuck? Why didn't I see that coming? It's for that human experience that we're all on this roller coaster ride and there's ups and there's downs. And sometimes those downs are unexpected. You, In hindsight, you're like, yeah, that should have been obvious, but didn't do anything about it. Didn't even, didn't stop to think about it. Back to you, Sven. Stairway Award. Is this the band's best song and is it close? Uh, I think it's the and best. By on- the way, everyone, no, I don't think Stairway is Led Zeppelin's best song. <laughs> there are other reasons I named it this. Um, Sven. <laughs> I think I'm saying it's the best on this album. So it's not what I asked. I know it's not what you asked, but it's not the best overall mm. Foo Fighters song. It's, well, there you go. It's, yeah. Rachel? Yep. You think this is their Foo Fighters? No, I'm agreeing with Sven. Oh. Uh, no, I don't think this is the best song. I think this is, that's what she said. Um, I think that, which <laughs> is really unfortunate. <laughs> I think this song is fabulous in that it elicits some really strong feelings with uncomplex lyrics. And I'm very into that, but I don't think that this is where it very well may be the best song on this album. It is not the best Foo Fighters song. Right, man, these, but you it know, is great. I didn't do it intentionally putting these together, but man, Landslide and this, they, there's a lot of similarities here. It kind of, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, Evil, Stairway Award. It's not their best. It's not even in their wheelhouse. Oh. It's a, an outlier. Mm. And I think that's what makes it special. Yeah. When I think of like, what are the best Foo Fighter songs? Like first of mine, it's like Monkey Wrench. Like <laughs> they're a fucking rock band. I mean, they are the whole rest of this fucking album. Exactly. Light. <laughs> exactly. That makes this song so much more of an anomaly that it gets merit on its meaningfulness because that's not what they hang their hat on. Yeah. Even though I'm going to say, no, it's not one of their best. It makes it better for me because it's in stark contrast to everything else yeah. that they do. I said it's not their best song but and i think this has to do with what you just talked about after studying for this it's actually way fucking closer than i thought it would be Mm -hmm. john paul jones award i'll start this and this is my one time i'm using it i'm using my no don't change anything card for this one you can't fucking touch anything on this that said evil what would you touch uh dave What would I touch? The top bunk, hopefully. You know, I had to... On tonight's segment of Evil, What Would You Touch? I had a hard time containing myself through Sven's entire, like, description of the musical, like, progression of the song because it was a giant, that's what she said joke, just waiting to happen. But I don't, I can't because he's making some really good points that I didn't want to take away from it. Uh, I appreciate it. I think that Dave already did the work on this one. He put Kristen there. He did the John Paul Jonesing of the yeah. song. It's it's done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so he brought Butch and Butch. Back yeah, and, and Butch too. Butch. And Butch. You yep. got yeah. Pat. Yep. You yeah. got Chris. Yep. You're right. Yeah. Is it the Chris Novoselic award um, now? Can't take no. from John Paul Jones. I can't <laughs> take away from John. No. They're not equivalent. I would add a banjo and Natalie Maines. <laughs> no, you're on your wrong. Like- you're on your wrong. <laughs> oh, sorry. Let me scroll. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Stay with me here. It would be fun to have a Gautier Kimbra thing and pop in Shirley Manson 
and have a, a a her perspective again this is from the relationship point of view but have a her perspective but not really you're an asshole and i'm mad at you but not really talk about the relationship or what actually happened during it rachel wants to turn this into a johnny cast june carter <laughs> yes i do <laughs> spend <laughs> oh what's your john paul jones award oh they already did the john paul jones on they it they did it they, for they us. brought that's, they actually, brought... that's the right answer they did it for us um, ahead of its time or well timed, Sven? It's well timed, especially seeing as how like now it's just replaying. You know, after we heard about Taylor, this was seriously the first song yeah. that came to mind as soon as I heard the news. I personally do think that this is more about loss of friendship and death. I think this was a long time coming, but I think it was very well timed in the sense of how this album was made. Mm-hmm. It was made in fucking Dave Grohl's house. Everybody was there and basically camping out and they had all their families there and they were barbecuing every day and he was in his own studio. There's footage of him playing and his daughter's like walking in and being like, we're supposed to go swimming. And he's like, I, I gotta fucking- I just gotta do this one like, more. <laughs> yeah, like Dave Grohl's in his safe space. It's years later, but he's in a safe space to where he can actually handle right recording yeah. this song. Yeah. So I think it's like kind of perfect timing for me. I think it was well timed in the era of its recording. And I think it was unintentionally timelessly timed because of the references to Taylor. It speaks to anyone who's who's lost someone, especially like in that industry, how it's just it comes with the territory. Again, there has to be the, that feeling in the industry of when you lose a friend in that industry, it's got to be a feeling of it's probably not the last one I'm going to lose. Exactly. Hmm. Yep. I think it was well-timed regardless of romantic or friendship obviously a song of reflection of mourning of grieving of whatever this relationship was romantic or not and i think since people grieve and mourn at different rates then it can come out whenever he fucking wants it to come out back to you rachel is the band as good as the song yeah it's not my favorite song and it's not i don't think it's the best song that foo fighters have but i don't think that they were being lazy i think this shows their talents musically and lyrically and instrumentally all yeah. that good stuff so I'll, i think it's lines up i'll steal what evil said in the last one it if anything it it shows how much more versatile they actually mm. are Sven, yeah yeah i mean it's the outlier on the record yeah right. i think this song punches up for them oh, like they're yeah. they're a rock band they write rock songs this is it's like arena rock and then this is yeah it's something else i think yeah. this is a touches on different subjects than they normally do. I think it's a, it's an outlier. That's going to bleed into the next award winner for me. So I'll go first. Who won the song? I'm saying Jesse Green. Mm. That fucking violin line, the way that she plays it, tilted edge of the horse hairs. Like, Sven, you know what I'm talking about, how you get that, that sound. wispy, that like... scratchy wisp. Mm-hmm. The way that she Airiness. played, it just hits. I'm not sure that anything else it, besides like a fucking amazing guitar solo hits the way that that does in a Foo Fighter song. Sven, what about you? Who won the song? I'm saying Dave Grohl. He got some things out that I think was probably a little bit therapeutic, hopefully. Gift for everybody else that's ever been through loss and felt that guilt. So thank you, Dave. No problem. Rachel? That's exactly what I was going to (laughs) say. Ditto! Just he, He got out what he needed to get out, and that's 
great for him. I said that this song is not about winning. It's about losing and loss. So nobody wins this song, and that's the point. Oh, shit. Oh! Well, way to end the fucking episode on a downer, (laughs) Evil. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we've gone through two songs. We're a little sad. It's only been two and a half hours. Yeah. (laughs) Let's let's go into the next one. Hey, everyone. Welcome to season three. We're glad you're here. I think particularly after the finale, uh, Sven quit. Oh, he was really good, too. I think he's growing up. <laughs> I liked Sven. Um, yeah, okay, so uh, Sven almost made it. The finale in the 100th episode and everything have really, I think it's all kind of hit us how much we care about all the people listening. Yeah. Uh, so thank you, everybody, for joining us for season three. It's going to be a fucking good one. I promise you that. Versecoursefirst.com at Pod. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you, Evil. Thank you, Sven. Thanks for reintroducing me to Fleetwood Mac. I actually needed it. I appreciate it. Sven's not here, so he can go fuck himself. (laughs) Good night. Good luck. Go fuck yourself. yourself.